Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, it looks like we are officially live. And um, I've got a topic today that probably doesn't necessarily sound as exciting as most of the other topics that I do. Um, a five-step real estate investing process is never going to get as many people plugging in as a doing deals with no money or how to find deeply discounted deals or how to build apartment complexes, or how to build passive income, which is unfortunate because if I had to pick the number one topic that is important for all of you to get started with, it would be this process, this five-step process. Now, many of you know my real estate investing story, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I do want to highlight just a couple of quick points. My real estate investing career started in 2003 when I was a pizza delivery boy in college, and I put the audio cassette into my white 2000 Kia Sophia, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now, when I was listening to the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, by the time I was done with it, I was literally driving around the streets of Revere, Massachusetts, which is where I grew up, delivering pizzas. And by the time I was done with my shift and done with that book, I was ready to set the world on fire. I was ready to invest. Fast forward to 2009 is when I actually did my first real estate investing deal, which is crazy because if you had met me going back to 2003, I was 21 years old. I was very motivated. I was ready to do things, but I never did my first investing deal until I actually got a mentor. And the mentor is actually what propelled me to kind of take my next steps. And it's funny because when I look back on, you know, why I never did an investment deal before, I didn't realize how much a mentor would matter and probably how much fear I had that I probably wasn't necessarily willing to admit to. So 2009 is when I did my first real estate investing deal. It took me six years to do my first deal. Could have taken me almost no time. And one of the reasons why I love mentoring people is because I like to cut down that window. Um, I like to cut down the window of time from the day that somebody thinks about investing to doing their first deal. And then I like to cut down the period of time from when somebody starts doing investing deals to what their eventual end goal is. And I think the number one you know, role of a mentor in any business or anything in life is really to shorten the amount of time that it would take somebody to do something on their own. So from 2009 to 2017, my partners and I, we experienced a pretty you know, significant level of success in real estate investing. Um, you know, We're fixing and flipping over 100 houses a year. We built up a rental property portfolio of about 250 units. And by 2017, now I'm 35 years old, and I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I you know, somewhat mastered how to invest in real estate. 
And I felt like at that point that I was ready to mentor other people. Up until 2017, I had never mentored anybody. And I thought incorrectly that all I needed to do to help people invest in real estate was have the knowledge in my head. And what I found out within the first year of me mentoring other people is that couldn't be further from the truth. Now, one huge mistake I made and why I created these five steps to achieving financial freedom through real estate investing is because I didn't realize, and this is going to sound really crazy, that everybody is starting at a different point in their life. Everybody has access to different resources. And this is the part I really am surprised and struggled with, but I did. I was struggling with the fact that not everybody had the same goals. And I'm going to tell a quick story. I had a real estate investing conference in 2018. It was a three-day conference. And I had somebody, uh, a woman, come to the event, a high net worth individual. And at the end of the three days, um, basically, we said, hey, do you want to sign up for the mentorship program? And she said, I would love to sign up for the mentorship program. I feel very confident in your ability to help me. But my problem is, is that I don't want a business like yours. Now, keep in mind, I had spent the last three days strutting around the stage, bragging about how big my company was. And I thought, wow, that's something that everybody wants. And um, come to find out, she just wanted something really, really simple and small and just to flip a couple houses a year and to really just almost like have fun, but make, make money having fun. And that's when the light bulb went off in my head that, that I had been doing this wrong the entire time. I had been assuming that people wanted the exact same things that I wanted, the same outcome I wanted. I had assumed that everybody started from the same point as I did. And I started at a point, for example, with no capital. Now, you take this person who's a high net worth individual, her starting point's a high net worth individual. Well, of course, she's going to have a different starting point and probably different goals than I do. So the five-step process was created by me in order to really service and mentor people the right way. Um, a lot of what's in the five-step process, I would reference back to a book by Gino Wickman called Traction. Um, people ask me for book recommendations all the time, and there are very few books that I put in the category of must-read. And the book, the book Traction by Gino Wickman is one of them. If you haven't read it, it's a book that really, it encompasses all of the major uh, best practices for running a business. And if you read the book and you've you know read books before on running a business, you'll notice that there are a lot of concepts that probably overlap other books that you've probably read before. But the way he goes over it, and the process that he creates to running your business has completely changed how I've run my business. So a lot of the methodology that I'm going to talk about today is related back to that book. Now, um, at the end of this, I'm going to give everybody the opportunity to get a free copy of the book Traction. So if you're interested in getting a free copy of the book Traction, do me a favor, type uh, Traction and hit enter into the comment section of this uh of of this live stream 
Um, so let me just jump into the steps because I know you guys weren't here to necessarily hear my story or even necessarily here, um, you know, to jump in and get a copy of the book traction for free. So I'm going to jump right in. So these are all, these are all like the mistakes I made when mentoring people in the beginning. Okay. Step one, and this is stuff that you should all, uh, one caveat to this, this is all stuff that you should be doing in my opinion, opinion by yourself and then with a mentor. So you should run through this exercise by yourself. And in an ideal world, you would have some mentor in your life that you would be able to kind of show them your thoughts and be able to bounce ideas off of each other. So step one, assess where you're at. This is super important. And this is what I found through mentoring probably a hundred or so people. Everybody starts in a different place. I'm going to go through some of the most important elements of where you should be assessing and then talk a little bit about like how that impacts what you might you know, be working on down the road. So number one, um, you should be assessing how much capital you have and how much capital you have access to. So there's obviously a big difference between having it, you know, sitting in your bank account or um, being able to pull an equity line of credit on your property or being able to sell a business or being able to refinance a property. There's a big difference between having access to it, um, having it, and having access. Having access just means that there may be a few people in your life that may be willing to put capital into a deal. And again, everybody comes into it with a different place. I would say, you know, 75% of people that I mentor come into a place where lack of capital is an issue. It's one of the reasons why I train so much on how to do deals with little to no money. It's one of the reasons why in the inner circle, I created the ability for people to partner with us. They don't have to put their own capital into a deal. Um, I started with no money, so I understand starting with no money. If you start with money, your your tasks are different. Your 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 road is a little bit different. Um, number two, what's your construction expertise? Again, I came into it with no construction expertise. My dad was a blue collar type guy, and he wanted me to do good in school, get a good job, the typical path that a lot of parents um, believe their children should follow. He never let me pick up a hammer. He never let me even have the thought in my mind that I should do anything related to construction. So I had no construction expertise. Having said that, there are a lot of people out there who have construction expertise. And in fact, one of my partners in my business had a construction background, and that was one of the things that he brought to the table. So having construction expertise is a benefit. It's not necessary, but it's a benefit. Number three, the thing that you should be thinking about in the beginning are your sales skills. Now, I know that most of my audience are real estate agents. And by definition, you may even have a license that says you are a salesperson. Now, just because you have a license that you are a salesperson doesn't mean you have really great sales skills. It might mean that you have some sales skills. And I would argue that persuading anybody to work with you on anything, per persuading a buyer to work with you, persuading a seller to work with you, you have to have some sales ability. But how do you rank your sales ability? What is your ability to walk into a room with somebody who you've met a couple times and ask them for capital and persuade them to give you capital? What's your ability to go into a seller's house 
and convince them to sell their property to you for cash at a little bit of a discount. So sales skills are important. They're needing in a lot of facets in the investing business. Now, again, keep in mind, I want to be clear about this. You could have zero of these skills and still be successful. And let me be clear about this. I had zero of these skills. The only skill I had, which is the only skill that is mandatory to have, is a burning desire to have success. I had determination beyond belief. I wasn't going to be stopped. That's the only thing that you need, right, to be successful as a real estate investor. You need to want to succeed. You need to be willing to sacrifice in order to succeed. But you don't need any of these skills. These skills can all be learned, or you can add partners like I did, or you could hire somebody onto your team that has these skills, okay? So the next thing I want you to think about whether or not you have or have access to is property management expertise. For those of you who are going to own rental properties and have passive income, do you either have property management skills or do you know somebody who has property management skills? The next thing, access to high-quality investment deals. Now, when I talk to agents, it's kind of like all over the map with this. Some agents I talk to and they tell me, oh, geez, I've passed up six killer flips or six killer apartment deals that I could have done last year because I didn't have money or time or construction background. And then some agents that I talk to will say, hey, yeah, I passed up one or I passed up, I passed up one every once in a while. Um, agents, one skill that you guys have um, a lot of times inherently without you necessarily needing to do a lot for it is the access to deals. A lot of times agents will go into a seller's living room and have the ability to buy that property. So that's an advantage that a lot of agents have. And I talk a lot about the advantages that agents typically start with. A lot of you have sales skills. A lot of you have um, prior investing experience. A lot of you have some construction background or you have vendors that can do it. So, um, but we need to assess kind of like, you know, what, which of the skills that we have. Okay. The last skill that I, I want to put out there is prior investing experience. Now, some of you come into, you know, I've worked with, I've mentored and helped people that have come into this. They already own 50 rental units, or they've already flipped 40 houses, or they already own an apartment building. Prior investing experience is obviously another benefit. So that's step one. And I know that's a lot of things to think about, but it's, they're all important. In order to figure out where you need to go, we need to know where you're at today, right? So we need to know where you're at today. And then step two, step number two is where do you want to go 10 years from now? And when I'm speaking from stage, when I run my events, I always say, I, my goal, a lot of people's goal is to be the most motivational speaker, the best speaker. My goal is to be the most unmotivational speaker you'll ever find. And I've carved out a niche in that area. And I, I start a lot of my presentations out by asking how many people want to get rich in real estate really fast. And I get like half the people that raise their hands, sometimes even more. And then I break the news that real estate is something that you can absolutely achieve wealth through, but it's something that you need to have a long-term plan for. And so one thing about me that's a little bit different from other mentors is that I'm going to tell you the reality 
There's going to be zero sugar coating. If anything, I'm going to tell you a conservative, a conservative of what can be achieved. So what I tell everybody when we talk about where you want to go, what you want to do with real estate investing, like why are you on this? Why are you watching this? Why you're watching this is your goal. And I look at it in 10-year increments, okay? And again, you know, going off the unmotivational speaker part, I want you to think about your, what you want in a 10-year window. Because while you can achieve a lot in one or two or three or four years, you can achieve a ton in 10 years. And I'm going to screw up the saying, but it goes something like people overestimate what they can accomplish in one year and underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years. And it is absolutely true. I can tell you from my perspective, um, I have achieved more than I thought I would ever be able to achieve when I started. But it wasn't until like year seven, eight, nine, ten of starting to invest in real estate. Like it wasn't until I started really in 2009. I took six years to do my first deal, but I started in 2009. It wasn't until about 2016, 17, where I was like, whoa. Like we're we're getting some real results here. Most um, most of the rules and the laws and how real estate is set up all favors investors. You know, rents go up over time. Um, there's just so many things that benefit real estate investors over the long haul. Properties appreciate a lot over a 10 year period. They may go up or they may even go down in the 12 month period. So you've got to look at it with a 10-year window. And again, I'm going to reference back the book Traction by Gina Wickman because I want you all, I want you all to think about reading that book or staying on and, and potentially getting that book for free. Again, type traction into the chat box if you want to know how to get the book traction for free. We need to know where you're going. 10-year period. Okay. What I want you to think about is what you want your life to look like in 10 years. And for everybody, that's different. Um, I'm going to tell you all kind of a crazy story. Um, so I had somebody that used to work for me. They came into my company as an inside sales agent. And uh, she started and she did a really good job. And then one day, my outside salesperson uh, was out sick. And she said, hey, can I go out and take this appointment? And I was like, oh, man, you know, I don't think this is going to go well, but I had nobody else for coverage. Long story short, she ended up closing the deal for less than what I, I told her I'd be willing to pay. Now, this person, who I think very highly of, just extremely hard worker, motivated, plugged into every single thing that I did. And over the course of a five-year period, she made a good amount of money. But not like what I made and, and not enough money where I would picture what ended up happening, which is that after five years, she retired. So she was making, you know, in the $100,000 to $200,000 range for four, five, six years and saved most of the money because she is extremely frugal. Give her credit. Not like me uh, going out, buying, you know, a lake house, expensive cars. Uh, expensive houses. Um, she saved almost everything and she retired and she isn't, isn't that old. You know, she's in her probably early to mid fifties 
And I'll never forget, you know, she, she thanked me and she said, Hey, like I've achieved my financial goals and like, I'm just going to kind of live off the money that I have. I'm going to invest it, live off the money that I have. And like, I'm good. I, I, I spend like twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year. My my money will make more than that, so I'm like good. So again, it's just an extreme example of the difference between what that person wanted and what I want, and how there can be such a difference between one person and another. She's just traveling around the country, and that's what she wants to do. So when you think about like where you want to be in ten years, like where do you want to live? What hobbies do you want to have? How many hours do you want to work per week? And again, for all of you, this is going to be different. Like, what is your ideal life? And then for other people, I hear other other goals. I, I had two people this week tell me that they wanted their spouse to retire. It's a phenomenal goal. It's an f- absolutely phenomenal goal. And again, just something that like is different from person to person. So you really need to spend some time. This is probably the most important thing that you ever do in your business. And it sounds really easy, but it's actually really difficult when you really think about it. Hey, everyone. This is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to, number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Agent Investor Podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. Uh, It's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event um, that you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes, um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. So you need to know where you're going, where you want to be in 10 years. Ideally, in 10 years, you wake up and what is your life like? And then there's going to be a number attached to that. So the the person I just told you about who retired after five or six years from working for me because she saved everything and she lives off of nothing, her goal, her her financial needs were like twenty dollars to $30,000 a year. And she built up enough of a passive income stream. She invests her money. And that's all she needed. And again, that's an extreme example. Now, you can have somebody like me who's kind of like the opposite, who, you know, I probably need, I don't know, dollars to, to maintain my lifestyle. Four kids, two houses, nice cars, um, vacations, the whole kind of like, what what I envision, and this is the funny part, that's what I envision as like success and what I want. But again, for everybody else, it's different. Oh, and I should put in to, to you know my goals. My goal isn't to stop working. I love what I do. I love real estate. Like I, they're going to have to drag me. I'm in my office right now. They're going to have to drag me out when I'm like 80. You know, they're going to be like, hey, you, listen, you're you're 
you're hurting the business at this point. You can't come in anymore. So that's me. But you need to think about what that is for you. And only you know that. And one thing I want to say here about the 10-year goal that's important is you should never copy anybody else's goals. It sounds like a simple thing, but if I'm training a class on you know where people should be in the 10 years, un- undoubtedly, there's a lot of people who end up with the same goals. And I know for sure that in reality, most people have a different vision of what they want their life to look like. So don't copy somebody else's goals. Because if you get them, then you're not going to be happy. Okay. So the 10 year thing, you know, it's really, really important. And let me, let me give you an example of like how this can vary so much. So we talked about the fact step one is knowing where you're at. Step two is determining where you want to go. So let me give you an extreme example. Let's say that you have somebody who has $500,000 cash right now in the bank, ready to invest. And their goal, says that they need to make five or $6,000 a month passively in order to live the life that they want. Well, that becomes a really, really easy mentorship conversation for me because if somebody has five or $600,000 a year to invest and all they want, and, and I, wanna, I don't want to downplay this, but if all they need is five or $6,000 a month to live off of, our company has passive income opportunities where you can make that by just investing in some of our deals. But we raise capital for the apartment buildings that we build. And if somebody had $500,000 and they invested in one of our projects, they would already get to that five or $6,000 a year. Now, let me just flip it around. Because if somebody comes in and they're like me, and they say, hey, this, this was me when I started in 2009, $6,000 in my bank account, $60,000 in credit card debt, um, no sales skills, no construction background, um, no prior real estate investing experience. And I want to make, you know, a half a million dollars or more per year passively. Say, all right, now, now that's definitely doable. How do I know it? Because I did it, but it's a different conversation. And really, what are we trying to get to right now? And this is something I should have mentioned in the beginning of this session. What we're trying to figure out, as as again, as simple as this is, are what are the four to six priorities that you need to be working on in your business? And one of the reasons why mentorship is so important, and, and, and one of the reasons why sometimes people think that they don't need it, is because of how readily accessible information is on the internet. Now, you can put into YouTube or just put into Google almost anything, and you can get some really good, solid, tactical, how do you do this type of thing. Like if you're looking to raise capital for your real estate investing business, you can put into Google, how to raise capital for my real estate investing business. And you'll probably have five or 10 really solid videos to teach you exactly how to do that. But here's the problem. Is that what you should be focused on right now? And it may be yes, but it may be no, right? And then what happens when you start to follow one of those videos and then you have a question, who do you go to? And so those are kind of the, 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 the struggles. And as somebody like myself who's completely introverted, 
that's really one of the reasons why I never did a deal for my first six years is because all I was doing is reading books and listening to podcasts and just getting educated without having the ability to ask somebody like, what should I be doing next? So what we're trying to figure out right now is what should you all be doing next? What are the three to six priorities? Or in the book Traction, they call them rocks. What are the three to six rocks that you should be focused on? Okay. So we talked about step number one, where are you at? Step number two, where are you going? Your 10-year vision. Now, step number three, and this is another big one where like a mentor can, can, can fit in is what is your investment vehicle? Okay. So there are a lot of different types of investment vehicles out there. You could invest, you could, you could flip houses or you can buy and hold. If you buy and hold, do you buy and hold one to 10 unit multifamily properties? Do you invest in apartments? Do you do vacation rentals? Do you do fix and flip? Do you do self-storage? Do you do mobile home parks? Well, you're going to know what are the pros and cons of all of those. So a lot of times what I see when I first start working with somebody is that I'll ask them, you know, about what investment vehicle, you know, they want to invest in. And the one right now that kind of is like the hottest and the most common that people tell me is people tell me they want to do vacation rentals. And I know the, the reasons why. Um, number one, it sounds really cool. And number two, a lot of people are doing it. So it's just like what people are talking about. So that's the most common investment vehicle that I hear like right now. And, you know, if you listen to this recording down the road, this could change. You know, it could be apartments, it could be small multifamily, whatever. But what vehicle you pick really has to do with where do you want to be 10 years from now? Now, let me tell you a story that's going to probably resonate with a lot of you about how I did it and the mistakes I made. So after I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2003, in my head, what that meant, what success meant, um, and how I was going to achieve my goals is I was going to buy two, three, four, five, six unit buildings in the greater Boston area. I was going to buy them, make sure that they cash flowed. I was going to hire a really good property manager. And then I was going to earn enough passive income to do whatever I wanted. And because I was going to have such a good property manager, I was going to be able to be hands off. Okay. That's what I thought after reading a book. What I found out in reality is that in order to cash flow in the greater Boston area, you've got to be in some areas where you're typically going to get some pretty tough, pretty tough um, renters. And what I found was when you have pretty tough renters, that means that your property manager certainly isn't passive and you're going to have problems a lot. So we got up to about 250 units. So that's 250 potential people that could have a problem at any one given point in time. And when you have 250 people that are in areas that tend to produce um, harder to deal with clients, you're going to have problems all the time. Who's getting arrested? Who didn't pay? Who did this? Who did that? And again, you can have the best property manager in the world, but at the end of the day, you're the owner of that building and you're the one that's ultimately dealing with those problems. So, you know, we had, you know, 60, 70 buildings, you know, two, three, four, five, six units each. What does that mean? Well, that means that if you have a snowstorm, 
you get a lot of places to worry about. That means that because all these buildings are older, you got a lot of roofs to fix. You got a lot of properties to constantly, constantly fix. How do you fix it? What's the strategy? Um, you know, just problems. And this asset class actually has probably created more millionaires than any other of the asset classes I'm going to talk about. But again, getting back to like, what do I want my 10-year vision to be? My 10-year vision is I wanted my investments to be truly passive, not like fake passive, like how a lot of these smaller multifamilies are. And so for me and my partners, we realized this wasn't the asset class we wanted. So we ended up selling all of those assets, and now we're building apartment buildings, 20 to 100 units. And those apartment buildings, again, the benefit, in my opinion, on them is, number one, if you have a 60-unit building, how many roofs do you have? You have one. You have one roof to fix. How many, times do you, how many places do you have to snowplow? One. If you're building them new, so we're building them new. How much maintenance is going to be required in the first few years? If you're building them new in greater Boston, you actually have the ability to be in some of the nicer areas and still cash flow. And so when I say all these good things about apartment, you know, what's your investment vehicle and ours is apartments, I can tell you some of the negatives. So each one of these asset classes has positives and negatives. One of the negatives of these apartment buildings is that they require a ton of capital. So I have to go out and raise three to $5 million for every apartment building that we build. So a lot of what I spend my time on now is raising capital. And I like it. I like getting out, talking to people, providing them with investment opportunities. But that's something I have to do because I chose this asset class. Whereas when I was doing the smaller multifamilies, I didn't have to really raise as much capital. So, you know, there's pros and cons to all of them. And again, this is where like a, men a good mentor can come in and can say, hey, what's your preferred asset class? And then help you determine, okay, is that really the right one for you to help you make that decision? And again, like you, I could have chosen, and I did choose, you know, two, three, four, six unit properties. And I could YouTube until I'm blue in the face but if I'm in the wrong asset class, then that's the problem. So that's step three. Again, step one, where are you at? Step two, where do you want to go? Step three, determine your, your vehicle, your investment vehicle. Now, step four, this is the outcome that we want. We want the, the three to six things that you need to work on this quarter. And in the book Traction, they break it down by quarter. Okay, so one mistake that I've made and is common to make when you set goals is you set a goal for like a year out. Now, the older I get, the faster one year starts to go by. But the reality is, is that a lot changes even over the course of a year. So what the book Traction teaches, and again, this is standard business principles. There's a reason why companies, um, publicly traded companies report on a quarterly basis. It's the reason why a lot of things in business are done in quarters because it's enough time that you can you can achieve some goals, but it's a short enough time so that like you can measure yourself better. So what are the three to six things that are the top priority for you? And so one thing that this methodology forces you to do, if you're an entrepreneur or if you have an entrepreneurial mindset, I have an entrepreneurial mindset. 
I was born thinking I'm going to conquer the world and I want to do 10,000 things. That's always in my brain. I can't change that. Like I probably would need therapy to, 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 to change it. And I don't even know if I could. So if you ask me like, hey, what do you want to get done today? There's going to be a list of 500 things that I want to get done today. How many can I actually get done in a day? Much fewer. So why do we set three to six priorities in a quarter? And why do we rank them from most to least important? It's because we have to first focus on what's going to drive our business the best over, over the next quarter. And we can't go out of order. So again, this is a common human trait that I possess and that a lot of people possess. When you have a huge to-do list, you commonly do the things that are the easiest first. You like run the errand first. Oh, I'll, I'll just get this easy thing out of the way first. And there's a book. It's a really cool book called Eat This Frog. That is something that is really important. And that, the, that you don't need to read the book because I'm going to explain it in two sentences. But the theory in the book is that if you have to eat a frog every day, you have to literally go outside, get a frog and eat it every day. The best time to do it is first thing in the morning. Because once you do that thing that you hate doing, that's hard, first thing in the morning, the rest of your day is going to get a lot easier. And that's where the rocks fit in. You have to do the top three to six things in a quarter before you do anything else. And that's where you plan. And again, you can do this on your own, but it's better to do it with a mentor or a coach or somebody that you trust that can help you. And when you're determining what your top three to six things in a quarter should be, there should be a list of 20, 30 things that could be options. And then you just go down the list and you say, is this really one of my top three to six? No, cross it off. Next one, is this really one of my top three to six? No, cross it off, okay? Until you're down to three to six. Now, if you accomplish those three to six things in your first 45 days of the quarter, does that mean you stop working for the rest of the quarter? No, but it means that you've done the most important things and it's time to now figure out what are your priorities again. So um, what I'm going to be doing that's going to be pretty cool that I want to just see if you guys are interested in right now, but I was thinking about doing um, something for you guys just as a thank you for listening to me, you know, tuning into the podcast, tuning into the live streams. But if there's anybody who'd be interested in coming to my office and getting help, with what these three to six priorities should be, type office visit into the comments below. Type office visit into the comments below. If you'd be interested in coming out to my office, meeting myself, my team, and getting help with these top three to six priorities in the quarter. Again, type office visit into the comment section if you'd be interested in that, okay? So we talked about the first four steps. Okay. Step number five, which is create a pulse and get somebody that can give you daily availability. I'm going to tell you again exactly what this means. So one mistake that is commonly made and a mistake I made, you sit down, it's like December 21st and you sit down and you go, Hey, what do I want to do in the next 12 months? And you set these goals and they're, they're big goals and they're goals that you really want to hit. 
And then the next time that you look at those goals is like December 21st of the next year. And that's a huge mistake. Goals and priorities should be looked at consistently. So my team, my leadership team, including myself, my partner, my CFO, my COO, my head of construction, we meet every Tuesday at 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. And we review the following things. And again, this stuff is in traction. We have a scorecard where we look and we review our numbers every single week. Then we review our rocks every single week. So the top three to six priorities that we each have for the quarter. And we say out loud whether we're on track or we're off track. If we're off track, we have a conversation about why and if there's anything that anybody in the group can help with. Okay. So we do that every single week. Now, you may not need to do this every single week today. And one of the things that we offer in the inner circle is a monthly call where we go over and help you with your rocks and help you determine whether you're on or off track. In an ideal world, it would be weekly, even if it's brief, but you need to just keep looking at the stuff that's important. Um, as humans, we tend to be more workers where we wake up and we just work and we just go. And the problem with that is if we're going and we're not going in the right direction, well, that's a problem. How do you know if you're going in the right direction? Well, you spend a lot of time figuring out where you're at, where you want to go, what investment vehicle you're, you want to be in. And then what are the top three to six things you need to do today to be on pace to hit your 10-year goal, right? Your 10-year goal is what you want. It's the outcome, right? The 10-year goal is what we want. It's why we got excited. Like, what's the outcome? Like, yes, I love investing. Yes, I love real estate. But after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the thought in my head wasn't the tasks that I'm doing. It's the outcome that I want. So in order to have that outcome, if, you, if it's a 10-year you know, plan, then you've got to have 40 good quarters. And how do you know if you're having 40 good quarters? Well, you're consistently looking at what your, what your top three to six priorities are and whether or not you're doing them, and you look at your numbers, okay? Um, so one of the things that – the other thing with this is having somebody that you can go to on a day-to-day -day basis. And this, again, this completely changed my business when I got a mentor in 2009. So the reality is, is that you can do all of these other steps. You can assess where you are, where you want to go, choose your investment vehicle, pick your top three to six priorities. But what happens on a given day when there's an issue? So say that you're out trying to raise capital and you're preparing to, to give a presentation in front of a group of people. And then you give the presentation and nobody wants to invest with you. Well, geez, well, what do you do at that point? And again, for the most part, if unless you are a super sophisticated investor that's had 20 plus years of experience, a lot of times the answer is you don't know. But if you're teaming up with somebody who does know, it becomes a really, really simple thing. So let me give you another example of something that I talked about with somebody um, the other day that's in the inner circle. They, I said to them, well, they said they want to find off-market properties. And I said, well, what's your strategy? And they said, cold calling. 
And I said, okay, great. Now I said to them, I said, um, we'll, you know, we'll kind of help you, you know, with that strategy. But I just want to let you know that a lot of people are not consistent enough with it to have success. So out of all the people that I've seen choose that as a strategy, most don't end up having that as their strategy after a period of time. So let's say that that person sets a rock to learn how to do that in the quarter. And then three weeks in, they realize that they're never going to cold call because it's just not their personality. Well, what happens then? And that's where you need to have the ability to go to a mentor on any one given day and be like, okay, I'm off track with my rock. I'm not sure what to do next. So it's all of this like day-to-day stuff that is the reason why people need a mentor. And it's why I created the inner circle to begin with. And so um, most of you already know kind of about the inner circle. I just want to highlight a couple of quick things and then I'm going to talk, you know, wrap on uh, the five steps. So the inner circle is really simple. It's really this, this thing that bridges the gap between you doing steps one, two, and three, and then adding steps four and five, meaning on your own, you can probably have a pretty good understanding of where you're at, where you want to go. The investment vehicle is, is certainly 50, 50, to be honest with you. Um, but that's something that you know we can also help with in the inner circle. But setting the, the top three to six priorities, that's something that is probably one of the more important things um, that we do, that we do in the inner circle. But then the helping of the actual, you know, whether or not you're on track or not is also very important. So the benefits of the inner circle have come basically from me doing this for five years and really thinking, you know, how can I make sure that everybody has the best chance of success in real estate investing? And how do I tailor it to agents? And how do I make sure that people get the help that they need? So number one benefit, probably the most, there's a lot of important benefits of the inner circle, but this one is up there, which is that if you're in the inner circle, we are willing to partner with you on deals. So what does that mean? That means that I take away some of the top objections that most people have when it comes to investing. And we've partnered with two people, um, and I've told this story, but I'm going to tell it quickly again. Um, We had an agent that's in the inner circle. They got a lead for a friend's mother who passed away, unfortunately, wanted to sell her house, wanted to sell it to an investor. They brought the the deal to us. We told them the amount that we would need to pay to partner with them. And they got it under agreement for that amount. And long story short, it was a deal that made over $300,000 that we both got a piece of. Okay. Another example of a, you know, uh, someone that we partner with that's in the inner circle. Um, somebody brought us an apartment building, an 88 unit apartment building in Nashua, New Hampshire. And they came to us and they said, Hey, would you partner on this deal? So again, we analyzed it. We figured out what would be fair and we partner with them. So that's one of the benefits on the inner circle. We won't just partner on any deal. It has to be a win-win for both of us. The deal has to be off market things like that. But that's one of the major benefits of being in the inner circle. The second thing is 24-7, 365 access to me, which is the availability part 
that if it's not me, it has to be some other mentor. So on a day-to-day basis, when you hit a roadblock, when you have a question, who do you go to? Well, you need to be able to go to somebody that you trust, that you think can help you, that's going to give you the right answer. So when you're in the inner circle, you get 24-7, 365 access to me through Facebook Messenger and through email. And for those of you who are in the inner circle, I know that you know I'm very, very quick to respond for any questions that you have. I love this stuff. I'm a slave to my phone, unfortunately, or fortunately, because I just like it. I'm kind of addicted to it. Then as part of the inner circle, we do a monthly group coaching session. That's where we do that monthly pulse and we say, hey, what are your rocks? Are you on track or off track? And what do you specifically need help with? The difference between that and a live stream like this, you all have the ability to literally go through your individual situation. You'll be on camera, or if you don't want to be on camera, you can just be there audio, but you get the ability to ask questions, talk, and go through anything that you need help with. And then the last two things, which are just kind of like add-ons, the most important ones to me are the ability to partner, the 24-7, 365 access to ask questions, and the monthly meeting. And so next Tuesday, and I I will do this more than once if this is something that you guys all like, at my office in Wakefield, Massachusetts, I'm going to have five guests in the audience, and we're going to do a live stream based on the questions that you all have. So the five people from 1030 to 11 o'clock, we're going to have a lunch, I mean, I'm sorry, a breakfast for you guys. And from 10:30 to 11 it's a chance to to meet us, meet my team. I'll have a couple of my team members there, have have some breakfast, and we're going to talk about like what stuff that you want to cover in the live stream. Then from 11 to 12, you'll be with me technically in studio, although I don't have like a, you know, necessarily a studio, but um you'll you'll be with me in my office. We'll be doing the live stream and You will not be on camera. I don't want to make anybody scared that they're going to be live on camera, but you will be in the audience. And I'm going to have a whiteboard behind me and I'm going to be talking to you guys. You will be off of the camera, but I'm going to be talking to you guys about what you want to cover. And I'm going to do the live stream focused on the five people that are in the room. Okay. That's from 11 to 12. Then at 12 o'clock, we're going to go through the top three to six things that the five people there need help with. I'm I'm sorry, should focus on based on the conversation that we had today on this live stream. So we're going to talk about, I'm going to ask you to come prepared with where you're at, where you want to be, what your investment vehicle is. And then by the end of that session, and that will not be live, that'll be closed door in my office. um, You're going to leave with your top three to six priorities. Okay. And then lastly, if this wasn't, you know, good enough, and by the way, this is all free. Um, you're going to get a copy of the book Traction, okay? So for those of you who want to come to my office next Tuesday at 9.30, the first five people um, who comment office visit below will have the ability to come. Now, if you comment office visit below, which I'd recommend doing now if you're interested in it, and we get more than five people, that's totally okay. Don't worry about that we will get you in for another session. Um, I want to make sure that we can help as many people as possible who want to be a part of this. Um, For some of you, it may not make sense. 
For some of you, it may be the best thing that you've done in your business. Um, but again, if you're interested in coming out to my office next Tuesday from 1030 to about 1 p.m., type office visit in the, in the comment section below. Again, you'll be getting breakfast, mix and mingle with my team. We'll do a live stream on the topics that you want to cover. You will get a one-hour closed-door session where we review these steps and we say, here's where you are, here's where you want to go, here's your investment vehicle, and then we'll break out the top three to six priorities, and then you will get a free copy of the book, Traction. Pretty good for free. Um, so if you're interested in that, type office visit below. And um, guys, today, I feel like it was a, somebody just asked what day, next Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. at my office in Wakefield. If you're interested, just put office visit in the comment section and I'll reach out to you with more details. Um, but I think today, like I said earlier when I started out, one of the most important things you can do, like you, you may want to, and I don't say this because of self-importance, but I really mean this might be one of the one videos that you may want to re-watch and take notes. Um, I can't stress enough that if you don't have a clear roadmap of what you should be doing, you are not going to get where you want to go. And even if you do, it's going to take you double or triple the time. And quite frankly, like one of the, the things that me and my partner talk about in terms of like, we've had a lot of success, but what, one thing we always talk about is imagine if we didn't do this, this is a mistake. Imagine if we didn't do this and did more of this, how much faster we would go. And I would say in, in all seriousness, having the right mentor having the right coach, having the right person that can help you, it probably cuts down your time to, to, to achieve results in half. There's no scientific you know, reasoning for me saying half. I just know that like a lot of the things, if, even if I write out all of the things that I've done in the last, say, 10 years, I can write out all of the things that really looked dumb in hindsight. But a lot of them were due to the fact that we didn't plan properly. We didn't set the right three to six rocks. We didn't think about as much as what we should do as much as we just did. So we're doers, right? We're, we're doers and that's why we're successful. But, you know, action, you know, uh, another saying that I'm going to screw up is like, anybody can be busy, answer busy, but it doesn't mean that answer successful. And it's really true. And, and when you're self-employed, it becomes even more difficult when you're trying to build your investing business on your own. It's even more difficult because if you have a job, it's somebody else's job to make sure you're doing the tasks that they want to be done. When you're building your investing business or your real estate business, there usually isn't somebody there if you don't have a mentor saying, hey, this is what you should be thinking about doing, which is why the inner circle is so important, why I'm you know, doing this office visit for free, you know, why I love teaching and coaching and you know, if it, if it were totally up to me, I would, if I had, you know, if I was worth, you know, a billion dollars, like I would do all of this stuff for free, you know, nothing at all, you know, paid, you know, the inner circle would all just be like, you know, you get into it automatically. Um, but unfortunately, 
I've got four kids and I've got a, you know, a big, you know, my wife doesn't work and I'm very fortunate to have that happen. But this is the stuff I, I, I love doing, right? I love teaching and training and coaching and mentoring. And I'd love to get as many of you as possible out to my office. Um, if not this Tuesday, some future Tuesday. So again, if you're interested in coming out to our office at any point in the future and going through these three to six rocks, getting a copy of the book Traction, having breakfast with me and my team, even if you can't do the next Tuesday, just put office visit in the comment section below and I'll reach out to you and we'll figure out some way to make it happen. Okay. So next week we will be going through the, um, the, fi the five people that come to the office and we'll be going through what they want to focus on. But I would love to have it a little bit more interactive because at the end of the day, as much as I like hearing myself talk, it's more about helping the people who are listening and your personal situations than it is about me just kind of talking into a microphone. So again, if you guys want to come at any point in the future, put office visit down and I'll be reaching out to all of you as soon as this is over um, for how to you know set that up. So again, I appreciate you guys all tuning in. We had a nice, nice audience today for a topic that maybe wasn't as sexy as some of the other ones. So I appreciate you guys and you all know how to reach me if you need help. All right. Thanks thank again you. for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.